We're going to welcome our good friend, our regular Wednesday commentator on all things Ohio, but also going far beyond that, including this federal, uh, ridiculous uh, uh, federal case uh, against President Donald, former President Donald Trump. Let's welcome Jack Windsor back to the program. Jack, I see you got some friends with you there. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Jack brings his adoring crowd of admirers everywhere he goes, and we're certainly welcoming them to the uh, studio this morning. Jack, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm super fantastic, Bob. It's always an honor to be here with you and uh, the listeners. So thanks for having me today. Jack, I've got several things. I want to get your thoughts on the indictment. I want to get your thoughts on what happened yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on uh, uh, where it goes from here from a legal perspective. But then we're also going to talk about the ongoing saga here in uh, the Ohio State House as the Speaker of the House who stole the gavel from Derek Marin with the help of 20, 21 turncoat Republicans or trans Democrats, if you will, and 32 actual Democrats. Um, his uh, continued punishment and flogging of members of the 45. The latest victim is Scott Wiggum. But, Jack, let's start with the headline on the Ohio Press Network webpage right now uh, is uh, Manhattan prosecutors secure grand jury indictment against Trump thrusting nation into new turmoil. Since that story broke, we had the arraignment yesterday, and we are indeed in new turmoil. Um, You saw what went down yesterday. You saw the stacking of misdemeanors. Each individual check or each individual document that they claim was falsified or falsely reported or recorded, they're counting as a new count, taking what would be a single count and a potential four-year prison sentence and creating 34 counts and creating a 136-year prison sentence, potentially, for President Trump. You saw the insanity firsthand, Jack Windsor. Um, Give us your analysis. Well, in summation, there's one set of rules for the right, and there's another for the left, and no one on the right is as hated as Donald J. Trump. I mean, that's the brass tacks bottom line. You have a Manhattan DA who finally nailed Trump, uh, just as he promised. And by the way, uh, I don't care what the Washington Post fact checkers say. Bragg did receive uh, about a million dollars from a guy by the name of George Soros. Now, Soros funded, or excuse me, funneled that through a PAC. But it made its way to Bragg's office. And, uh, you know... Jeff, Jeff um, back up for a second. Did, yeah. did the Washington Post deny that Soros supported financially Alvin Bragg? Because I didn't see that. What, what are we talking about? Well, they're playing, uh, you know, some word salad games. Um, I believe there was a Washington Post fact checker um, and I'm not going to give him any glory by mentioning his name on the air. But uh, he essentially said, well, look, all these people who are saying that George Soros funded Alvin Bragg, no, you, you're technically not right. And then I go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> if, if it happens to somebody on the right, like Larry Householder, and money goes from a company to a dark money group to other people for purposes, right, uh, political purposes, you call it bribery. But when it happens on the left with Alvin Bragg and George Soros, we go, well, no, 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 no. He didn't give him the money directly. Um, those are things, obviously, that they don't want to talk a great deal about. Uh, the the third, Bragg's 34-count indictment, though, it, it really – and I've got to make sure that I, I'm 100% on this. At first blush, it, it didn't really list any crimes. It stated that Trump paid off a former porn star with $130,000 in hush money to conceal other crimes, but the indictment doesn't identify those alleged crimes. Well, it, it, so, it, I don't know if it—I don't know if it reads it in the indictment, Jack. Um, 
but at the post in the, uh, post arraignment press conference, Bragg made clear what the underlying crime is. The underlying crime, according to Bragg, is using false statements to um, uh, to uh, promote a uh, a candidacy by unlawful means. Quote. The scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. So, the payments from, in, 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 in his ridiculous argument, of course, I don't agree with this, but the payments sure. by Cohen to Stormy Daniels and to Karen McDougal, uh, which ultimately mm-hmm. were reimbursed by Trump, were in the course of trying to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. Therefore, uh, that's what makes this rise to the level of a felony. Now, it is legal gymnastics like nothing you've ever seen, but that's what he sure. said. So, go ahead. Yeah, that's what trial lawyers do, Bob. You know, they cuss it and discuss it and try to make a case. But um, again, I'm not an attorney, but when you see things stacked like this, uh, it's almost like if you need 20 reasons to do something, you don't have one solid reason. And on the outside looking in, not being a legal expert, that's what it looks like. When you have to pile 34 things on top of each other, it's like throwing spaghetti on the wall and, and seeing what sticks, right? And I'm ignorant. I don't know. Does Hillary Clinton still live in New York? I believe so. Chappaqua. Oh, so when she and the DNC paid people to fabricate the China election interference conspiracy, I that that's interesting, right? Right. right Russia. Uh, why? Why is Alvin Bright? What? Russia, right? You mean Russia? They paid Russia. Russia. What did I say? You said China. Oh. Um, well, that's so, because that's yeah. because well, well, see, it, it was it was it was Hillary's campaign <clears throat> that paid for the uh, phony dossier to claim that Russia was essentially backing Donald Trump and uh, Trump was an asset and so forth. Uh, it was the next Democrat candidate, Joe Biden, that was being enriched by China. So uh, it's an easy mistake to make. The Democrats are taking yeah. money from yeah. the two okay. most most important and dangerous geopolitical foes this country has in back to back elections. But I digress. Go ahead. Yeah. And let's tie both of those together. In reality, you know, the New York Post should have won a Pulitzer for its reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop, <laughs> but they dismissed it as, as Russian information. And so, you know, you've got Hunter in the middle of all of this, and he's making deals and giving the big man a 10 percent cut with, you know, Ukraine and with China. But Alvin Bragg wants to uh, in, indict Donald Trump for using campaign money, but they're not sure that he used campaign money. Um, There's I mean, no well, evidence whatsoever that they use campaign money. And that came directly from the attorney representing Michael Cohen, who is the quote-unquote star witness for overstuffed Alvin in this case. I mean, Michael Cohen's attorney so, said that Michael Cohen paid money to Stormy Daniels and that Donald J. Trump, nor the Trump campaign, nobody paid him back anything. Uh, so, so, I mean, it's just, like I said, to me, that's the smoking gun that really, uh, smoking gun with DNA all over the grip uh, that yeah. clears Donald Trump of this. But what do I know? Go ahead. Well, I guess to the points, I think it was four months ago, um, the case was really going nowhere. Then Bragg suddenly hired a man by the name of Matthew Colangelo as a senior special counsel. And, and guess where Colangelo worked, by the way? Uh, he had been a senior official in Biden's Department of Justice. So, yeah, there's nothing There's nothing political here. There's, there's nothing to see here. We talked about this last night, and I want to encourage everybody, if you're not watching Talking Smack with Bob and Jack, do it. We had a fantastic episode last night. Uh, with Congressman Jim Jordan, and we talked about this issue. And, Bob, I'm going to cut uh, through to the chase here and, and just say this. This is going to rile a lot of people up, and uh, I'll throw this out, and we can 
you know, volley it back and forth. I think the left understands that this case is probably not going to get much traction, but it might rally enough support for Donald Trump to make sure that he wins the primary because they definitely want him in the general instead of Ron DeSantis. You know, I just asked Kurt Schlichter that very same question last interview, last hour, and he agrees. Um, you know, there are some people who believe it's just the opposite. Maybe the majority, maybe it's a it's a minority that thinks what you just think is true, uh, but Kurt is one of them, and he said, "Yeah, he thinks Donald Trump is the weakest candidate in the Republican field in a general election, probably the strongest in the primary field, because uh, he's got enough core supporters in the MAGA movement um, to defeat anybody else. But if it goes up against, you know, he goes up against Joe Biden again or anybody else, he's going to need independents who decide elections, and independents do not." like him and they do not support him even in his defense against this phony bogus fraudulent prosecution yeah our partners at real clear politics they show biden ending march with a 43 percent approval rating and a 53 percent disapproval rating donald trump he's at 39 percent favorable 54.9 percent unfavorable so where's ron DeSantis? almost with joe biden except much uh, much lower unfavorable. He's at 42.4% favorable, so almost neck and neck. But his unfavorables are 41.7 compared to Biden's 53. Why is that? I'll give you an example. Florida is advancing legislation that would make school board races partisan. That's the kind of stuff that's happening in Florida that I think the white suburban moms are going to go, I like this guy. He's going to protect my kids. He's not as, not as much of a prick as number 45, I'm not saying that. They're saying that. That's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to be very clear about that. I think Ron DeSantis is a true threat, uh, and I think he would clobber Joe Biden in a general election, and the left absolutely wants Donald Trump to be the guy because all they have to run on is orange man bad, and guess what? It'll work. Uh, Jack Windsor is my guest. Jack is the editor and founder, editor in chief and founder of the Ohio Press Network. He's also a regular Wednesday uh, uh, commentator. Uh, Jack, let's move into uh, state house issues now because you cover this like nobody else does. I had uh, Scott Wig- Wiggum on the program uh, just a few days ago. Uh, and he wanted to respond to the letter that was sent to him by Jason Stevens, the man who stole the gavel uh, in the Ohio State House and is now, I believe, conspiring with Democrats to allow abortion to be embedded into the Ohio Constitution forever. That's my belief. Uh, I believe that was part of the payback to get 32 of them to support him and his attempt to uh, win the speakership. So Jason Stevens booted uh, Scott Wiggum from the uh, – uh, from the committee he chairs uh, over not bringing forward for a vote um, uh, HDR one. Now this, of course, uh, and we I explained or we we explained uh, Representative Wiggum and I did uh, quite a bit on this about why he did what he did and why he waited until March, mid March, to uh, do the fir- make the first motion uh, to you know to bring this up, uh, and then he found his name. Did Stevens found Wiggum's name on the uh, motion to? Um, to drop HJR1, to dismiss it. Uh, That's not the right language. You probably have it. But at any rate, he said, because of that, you clearly don't have the intention or the ability to chair this uh, committee, and he booted him from the chairmanship, and then he booted him from the committee altogether. So Representative Wiggum came on and described how he is being made to be, uh, you know, the patsy here uh, and um, uh, and, and is being... Uh, fraudulently and erroneously blamed for where things stand on HDR1 now. So, Jack, um, put on your journalistic hat now and tell us, uh, fill in the gaps. 
Yeah, so I'm going to fill in the gap with uh, editorializing to begin with. So, you know, I, I beg your forgiveness, Bob. But for Jason Stevens to say that House Joint Resolution 1, and you said it and I want to say it again, HJR 1 would, would make sure that for our Constitution to be amended, that 60% of voters would approve it. That's important because at 50%, we may get into our Constitution the right for people, uh, women to abort up to nine months of pregnancy, even if they're healthy. Uh, and it also may allow transgender uh transitioning to happen without parental consent. Those are really, really big issues. I said this last time, and I'm going to say it again. If life is not at the center of your platform, there's something wrong. So when Stevens states that HJR1 is, quote, priority for the caucus, uh, I say that directly contradicts the fact that he did not include it in his list of Republican House priorities he released at the beginning of the year. It wasn't even in the top 12, right? My understanding, I talked a little bit with Scott Wiggum, Representative Scott Wiggum. I'll talk with him more this week. We're going to publish another story on this and make sure that it's comprehensive. But my understanding is that Jason Stevens has the ability to do some things with the, the Rules and Reference Committee that could, that could, if this bill follows the traditional track, like goes out of committee, goes into Rules and Reference, he can stall it there. A discharge petition says, uh-uh, you can't stop it. It's going to the floor for a vote. It is a fail-safe. It makes sure that this thing gets to the floor for a vote. That's my understanding. So why that's a bad thing, I don't know. That's a good summary. Um, and, and I want to quote a little bit from uh, the the uh, statement that Scott Wiggum sent out yesterday in response to this, questioning the priority, as you say, uh, as uh, Speaker Stephen said in the letter to Wiggum, discharging him from the uh, from the committee. He said that you claim and recognize that HDR1 is a priority of our caucus. Unfortunately, it is clear it is not a priority for you. In fact, you have worked to stop it at every turn. First, as a caucus, we learned through the press that a resolution to protect Ohio's Constitution was going to be an uphill battle when we read, and he quoted Stevens here, Numerous Democratic lawmakers told News 5 that another item in the deal was the elimination of HJR 6, the resolution to require a 60% supermajority vote in order for constitutional amendments to succeed. And then, again, quoting Scott Wiggum's letter here, Second, you failed to assign HJR 1 to a committee in time to make the May ballot. That, and you and I talked about this, Jack, at that time. Yeah. Then you assigned yeah. HDR1 to a committee just two business days before the anti-parent rights and abortion on demand constitutional ballot language was filed with the mm-hmm. Attorney General and approved several days later. And this is mm-hmm. the key now, the money line, I want you to respond to. HDR1 cannot appear on the November ballot if the anti-parent and abortion on demand initiative is on the same ballot. Because if that initiative and HDR1 were to both pass, we would see the real scenario of abortion on demand placed on Ohio's Constitution with the 50% plus one vote, and then it would be protected with the newly imposed 60% threshold because of HDR1 passing. And that means essentially that abortion would be in Ohio's Constitution as the anti-parent, let kids transition without parental consent language. That would all be on the Constitution forever, because we're never going to get a 60% majority to overturn that. No, and and the reason that you're not is is twofold. And again, I'm going to editorialize here. The people who line up to support this have millions and millions of dollars, and they're also not going to be uh, inherently honest about their messaging. It's probably going to sound something like, hey, we're just codifying Roe v. Wade, right? And that was the law of the land for 50 years. Why, you know, 
why are these extremists trying to take away women's health decisions, right? That's what they're going to blanket it in. And so 60% is a lot. You know, there's a, there's a huge difference between 50 and 60% when you're talking about votes. And so, yes, that is, uh, that is absolutely right. I want to point out one, Bob, do I have time to point out one other thing? Um, that I think, yeah. So it's interesting because, um, you know, when I talked to Jason Stevens, he, he at least gave me an interview. And one of the things that I asked about was, Hey, you know, the safe act did not make the priority list. Why is that? And he said, well, we wanted to get it right. Okay. You know, when we're talking about save women's sports and, and protecting women's sports, there are 18 other states who have done this. The safe act is something that's new. We want to make sure that we do it the right way. So, um, you know, we didn't make it a priority. We're going to let Gary click work on it. But when, but when it comes to this, and, you know, obviously, uh, Scott Wiggin is working on it and working on it in a way that he thinks will uh, accelerate its vote on the House floor. Jason Stevens now pumps the brakes and says, hey, it's bad if you, you know, consider this. It's bad if you're not doing it fast enough. And I say, well, if it's good for the goose, isn't it good for the gander? It was good for you to say that the SAFE Act needed some consideration and done the right way. But when it comes to this resolution, you're actually taking the opposite position. Again, there is a lack of continuity, there is a lack of integrity, and there is a lack of consistency in this leadership. All of that is very accurate. And, um, and Jack, I'm going to get one last thought in here with you because this is also a new story on the uh, Ohio Press uh, Network website. Um, Jason Stevens opposes the August special election so that we can uh, deal with this uh, appropriately and get HJR1 passed in August. Um, the, and he claimed earlier on in his comments to Cleveland.com and other media that uh, the elections officials he has talked to oppose the idea of another August special election because of the cost. Well, the guy who literally runs Ohio's elections is the Secretary of State, and Frank LaRose, according to your story, supports the prospective August election to protect state constitu- the state constitution. That's right. So you have, you know, the speaker saying, hey, I've talked to election officials and you have the top election official in the state of Ohio saying, hey, I run this ship and I'm telling you that the people I talk to support it and I support it. And by the way, I think the point of all points is is Senate President Matt Huffman saying, "Okay, what if it does cost 20 million dollars? Is it worth it to save 20 to 30,000 lives? Answer that question, Jason Stevens. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I said that to Scott Wiggum, too. I reminded him of that very, very, very comment from Matt Huffman. And uh, and I'll say it again to you. Uh, I can't think of a better way to spend $20 million. If you can think of a better way to spend $20 million, and I don't care how many mansions you can buy with it or how many yachts or how many Bugattis or anything else, if you can find a better way to spend $20 million than to save 30,000 babies, uh, I'd like to know what it is because I think that's a pretty good expenditure of our money. Uh, Jack Windsor. Editor-in-Chief, founder of the Ohio Press Network. Make sure you subscribe to the Ohio Press Network and uh, get your daily news there. And also make sure, as Jack said, that you are listening to and watching Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack wherever you get your podcast. Last night, we had Jim Jordan on. Got a lot of very, very important information out of him as well, so make sure you follow us there. Jack Windsor, we'll talk to you again soon. God bless you, brother. Thanks. Bless you, too. It's 11.30 in news time. We'll come back right after this. Three-star 
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.